Hello, it's Thursday, February the 10th. This is the Andrew Pearce Show coming as ever from the Daily Mail Newsroom. Well, you know your gas and electric bill are soaring by up to £700 a year. We're going to give you a survival guide to the hike in prices. Nuclear fusion, it's all to do with the sun. Why Britain has set a world record and it could mean cheaper, sustainable energy in the future. Cressida Dick the useless Metropolitan Police Commissioner. She's finally been put on notice to go by the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. But first, has Boris Johnson gone too soon by saying Covid rules will all be scrapped before the end of the month? So the Prime Minister has announced that Covid restrictions, all of them, will be brought to an end by the end of the month as long as infections and deaths continue to drop. He says England will be leading the world. Some scientists and union leaders say it's irresponsible because Covid risks have not completely disappeared. And one YouGov poll suggests 75% of people think some restrictions should continue. So is he right to do what he's planning to do? Lawrence Young is, Professor Lawrence Young is virologist and professor of molecular oncology at Warwick Medical School and no stranger to this podcast. Uh, Professor Young, um, uh, is he going too fast, too soon? Labour, of course, is saying, is this all about distracting from his political difficulties? Uh, What's your view on the science of this? Well, I think the science is that it is probably too soon when you've got such really high levels of infection and what we need to do is keep monitoring monitoring carefully. And I, I guess a lot of it, Andrew, will depend, you know, on the strategy. The Prime Minister said yesterday that there will be a strategy. And I, as long as that strategy includes clear guidance and we don't let our guard down, particularly in terms of monitoring and doing as much as we possibly can to control the spread of the virus, then, then you know, then I think we need to move forward. I'm just a bit nervous, as you can tell by my hesitation. Yes. Now, the biggest change will be the requ- that there will no longer be a requirement to isolate for five days if you get a positive COVID test. Uh, is that sensible? Not really, because it doesn't mean that people who are actively infectious are going to be mixing. We already know, actually, that at least one in five people who are testing positive are not isolating. And that's clearly adding to these very high levels of infection. And I think as long as the high levels of infection are circulating, it's going to be a challenge, not least for the 3.7 million people in this country who are clinically vulnerable. Yeah, I, I, his argument will be, of course, that hospital admissions are down 11%, the number of fatalities is down substantially, and that many people who are diagnosed with the Omicron variant, in fact, have no symptoms whatsoever. Others just have mild cold symptoms. Therefore, um, you don't close down, you don't order people to stay at home for five days if you've got a cold. Yeah, you know, every, of course. Now, everybody wants to return the world to some form of normality, but we need to find a new normal, I think, that, that maximises freedom for people whilst making sure that we keep an eye on what's going on with, with COVID. I think we've got short memories, haven't we? Because we should all go back to Freedom Day last year on the 19th of July and recognise that what happened then was we were faced with new variants. And it's inevitable that we are going to be faced with new variants. And that's why I hope that whatever the Prime Minister announces on the 21st will mean that we continue to have some form of surveillance going on so we know what's going on in the community and we know what new variants are arriving on our shores. Do you think this is also a tacit acknowledgement, um, Professor, that the public are fed up now? A lot of them just, I mean, I was on a tube today, I would say only half the people in my carriage were wearing a mask, even though it's 
the law to, that you are supposed to wear a mask. A lot of the staff aren't wearing them either. Is it an acknowledgement, do you think, the Prime Minister knows that the public have just tired of this now and are probably going to ignore, uh, as, we, as you've said already, some people are not isolating now and that more and more people will just continue to ignore it? Yeah, I think, you know, there's no question we are all fed up with this. And I know that many people are suffering from COVID fatigue and we're all desperate to get back to, to normality. So I think there is a, an acknowledgement in this that with high levels of vaccine protection, recognising, of course, that that vaccine-induced immunity doesn't last forever, but nevertheless, with that high level of protection, that we're in a much better place. Well, I'll come back to, to our need yeah. to make sure yeah. we're protecting the vulnerable and to recognise that we still don't understand enough about this virus. The bit that worries us all is you know, it's understanding more about long COVID and how we're going to manage with at least 1.3 million people suffering from long COVID at the moment. So I think a lot of uncertainty. We're going to be faced with new variants. We mustn't let our guard down. But of course, moving forward cautiously is, is what we need to be doing. And just finally on that, um, he is going to outline a strategy. Uh, Parliament is going into recess. They obviously need yet another holiday, those MPs, is going into recess. We'll hear more after that. What would you hope that strategy may include, particularly about the, uh, the uh, area of wearing masks? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think there should be some encouragement. I know this is going to be, there's going to be guidance. And of course, as with other infections, if people are getting infected, then, then it really is important that they are supported, that their employers support them to stay at home for a few days whilst they recover. So I th- I'm hoping that the guidance will stress that, that need, stress the fact that masks do work and masks aren't a major inconvenience and that wearing those in crowded indoor spaces not only protects you, but protects other people. And then I think we really need to come back to this issue of not letting our guard down and, have, and we mustn't lose the means to monitor and control the spread of the virus. Can I ask you just finally, Professor, will you carry on wearing a mask whatever happens if you go on public transport into a shop uh, something like that. Yes, I have. I have. I, I, I continue when I go out um, uh, to, to to wear a face mask in, in crowded in public spaces, and I would encourage everybody else to do that. New data has just come out from the CDC in the states, which reinforces the benefits of wearing masks to protect you and protect others. Great. All right, then. Good to talk to you. That's Lawrence Young, Professor Lawrence Young, virologist and Professor of Molecular Oncology at Warwick Medical School. Visit mailplus.co.uk to listen to The Andrew Pearce Show for free, in full, and our podcast too, and our video series. Don't forget to tell your Alexa speaker to play Daily Mail News. The London Mayor Sadiq Khan has finally delivered a brutal ultimatum to Cressida Dick announcing he wants a plan from the Metropolitan Police Commissioner on how to win back the trust and confidence of the public, and he's given her just days or weeks to do it. If she doesn't tackle what he says is the shattered confidence in Scotland Yard following a string of scandals, she's on notice and he's out. Leroy Logan joins me now. He's a former Metropolitan Police Superintendent. Leroy, what seems to have been the final straw for the Mayor, who of course is the Police and Crime Commissioner for London, are these revelations from the, uh, the, 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 the police investigator about these vile uh, WhatsApp messages from Charing Cross Police Station, sexist, homophobic, racist, uh, anti-disabled, even jokes about police officers punching their girlfriends because they like it. That seems to have been the thing which has tipped the mayor over the edge. Well, I don't blame him. In fact, I thought he would have um, called Christina Ick in much earlier because of uh, it's been a whole litany of things. And I think this was the final straw. I myself served at Charing Cross Police Station in 2000, 2004, and there was nothing like that. It, 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 I mean, you had the odd one or two, 
but you, you, you'd spot them as supervisors because um, we're the internal checks and balances to make sure everyone is doing what they're supposed to do and it's in a positive culture and everyone works well. But you, this is just beyond the pale. And I, I think it's because Crusader Dick uh, it, um, has allowed the culture to fester. It's shifted in a, a very morally bankrupt way. And I really believe it, it's, well, for me, a, a, a position's untenable. Sadiq has decided to give her more time, but I personally think that she's gone past a shelf date. I'm just looking at some of those other jokes. Ha ha. Rape jokes, domestic violence jokes, Holocaust jokes. How can that ever be funny? Jokes about killing black children. She's she's chief. She's the Metropolitan Police Commissioner. London is one of the most ethnically diverse cities in Europe. And yeah, here we have got police officers making jokes about killing black children. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I did welcome uh, Christina Dick's um, appointment in 2017 because I thought, despite Stockwell and all these other things, she would be breath of fresh air. But she seems to have doubled down protecting the culture. She'd always say, I don't identify institutional sexism. I don't identify an institutional racism. When we know it's out there front and center. And this um, Charing Cross Operation Hutton uncovered an, a disgusting array of prejudices and of course it can play itself out on the streets you know they might be having no, their whatsapp banter but it can um play itself out when they encounter people of that certain group whether it's through their ethnicity or lifestyle or gender whatever and that's the real thing that erodes trust and confidence and that is the cornerstone of police legitimacy so if you don't have the trust and confidence of people you won't have moral authority to work with them to keep law and order and keep our streets safe yeah and 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 not to dwell on that charing cross incident 14 officers involved in this nine of the 14 are still in their posts and two have been promoted you referred earlier um just briefly there um leroy you talked about stockwell that was of course wasn't it when she was the gold commander in the police control room in the operation that led to the shooting to the death of the electrician john charles de menezes who was mistaken for a terrorist in 2005 Yes, that's correct. I mean, that had an, a massive blow on trust and confidence. I know it's a really tough time uh, during um, the uh, terrorist mm. attacks, and it's it, it's had a massive impact on on you know police as a whole. But again, the, the people don't forget these things, and and, and so all the other uh, episodes of where um, Presenter Dick has, has has put a, a foot in it massively. You know, you think, why would she do that? A, a, a case in point when she said she's not going to investigate the Stephen Lawrence murder anymore. And she didn't have to say that. And the timing couldn't be worse. It was during Black Lives Matter and, and, and all, everything that was coming out, out of the, the George Floyd uh, murder in the state. And, and as a result of that, you, you think she doesn't have to do these things. Why would she do it at the most ill-timed you know, position, and, and, and no one's really going to benefit from that other than it's going to erode trust and confidence in the black community and believing that the police are occupying force and not a police service. The other big issue she's got, of course, Leroy, is the uh, confidence women have in the police force, the murder of Sarah Everard by a serving police officer, uh, and the, 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 the way the police then um, uh, were criticised for the way they policed the vigil for Sarah Everard, mainly of women, on Clapham Common. 
Oh, that, that beggars belief. I, I, I mean, to be quite honest, the fact that they, they knew uh, a police officer was a suspect, he hadn't been charged by then, but by the fact that they have to be sensitive. I mean, vigils don't always obey the law because it's very emotional, etc. But you need to give people time. And, and even if they were breaching COVID laws, you don't have to arrest them at the scene to create terrible optics, terrible scenes of overbearing officers against um, women who lacking trust in the police. And there we are, it goes global. And, it, 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 and in the end, there were two or three um, vigils outside Scotland Yard. And they didn't, you know, they were in a difficult position to even police that. But at least there wasn't any conflict or uh, pushing around and all this and arrests being made. So, you know, that, that, that's just an, um, another point where you think, as a female commissioner, she would have been a lot more sensitive mm, to so. that. And, and the fact that she seems to double down and defend, and then she gets the HMIC, Her Majesty's Inspector of Constabulary, to write this White Rush report saying, yeah, they're totally compliant. And you don't realize that impacting on, um, you know, communities, um, especially uh, female communities of, of women and girls. Come on, you've got to be sensitive to this. You've got, there's one thing about um, whatever rank you are in the police service, you need to know your community. You need to get the best out of them. It's a relationship. You can't do it by yourself. You can't stop and search your way out of a problem or rest your way out of the problem. You've got to work in partnership and it needs to be done under a new leadership. And that's why I think... Chrisetta Dick's position is untenable and they should look for a new leader with the ethical leadership and the co common sense to know what's right for London. Absolutely. That's uh, Leroy Logan, a former Metropolitan Police Superintendent, talking about Dame Cressida Dick. Visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Tory Boy Pierce. Here we go. So Britain set a new world record for energy created through nuclear fusion. Now, the experiment took place in Oxfordshire's Cullum Centre for Fusion Energy, and it generated 59 megajoules of energy, and it's said to be a major step forward towards sustainable energy generation. Joining me to talk about this breakthrough is Tony Ralston, who's course director and lecturer of nuclear energy at the University of Cambridge. Um, Tony, if you could explain, first of all, what is nuclear fusion? Uh, nuclear fusion uh, is um, is putting together two isotopes of hydrogen, uh, hydrogen uh, isotope with two um, nuclear elements in there. Uh, hydrogen normally has one, a proton, a proton, a neutron, deuteron, and then another isotope, tritium, which has three elements. And if you bring these closely together, very close together, extremely high temperature, you get a huge release of energy. This is what powers the sun. So it's right. completely different from normal nuclear, which is fission, breaking up heavier uh, elements. This is bringing the lightest element, isotopes of hydrogen together, and having energy by them joining together and making an alpha particle, which is the result. Right. Now, 59 megajoules, I'm clueless. What does that mean in terms of energy? What could you, what could you do with 59 uh, uh, joules of energy? Megajoules of right. energy. Yes, uh, it, it is confusing. So uh, there are a number of ways of explaining it. It's actually about the normal 
daily use of electricity for a house in the UK, um, it, in, in normal units, it's about 16 kilowatt hours, and that's the sort of units that we have uh, in our in our house. And so it's about that amount of energy. So it's a small amount of energy, uh, but it's created in a very short period of time, five seconds. Right. So um, could you, how, I mean, how long the idea will be to, to sustain that, that, to make it a lot longer than five seconds? Yeah. How far away are we from being able perhaps to do it for half an hour or an hour? Okay, well, this is one of the key issues. The particular design of JET means that it's always going to be quite short in its pulses. Right. The, um, the, the, it has copper. The magnetic bottle that holds the plasma is, is made through large copper coils. And those copper coils are cooled, but when you pass the very large current through to make the magnetic field, they warm up. What we need is superconducting um, coils. And uh, there are two experiments in the Far East, one in Korea, K-Star, and another one in China called East, which are not as big as jet, but they're sizable. And they've got superconducting. They're more modern, they're more recent, and they've got superconducting magnets. And they have demonstrated that you can hold a plasma at the right sort of temperatures and pressures for a, a, hundred, a thousand seconds. Well, that's going quite close to your half an hour. Right. Now, this is, um, if, um, if I'm correct here, this has often been seen as um, the answer to the energy crisis because you can potentially produce all this energy and you're not raiding natural resources. Yes. The, the, the energy potential from this rather peculiar reaction is, is huge. Some people have estimated that the, uh, you can get the fuel, you get the deuterium, from seawater, that it exists in small quantities in seawater, but there's a lot of sea out there you can extract mm. from the seawater, and you can make the tritium from lithium resources, which uh, is, is quite large amounts around the world. People have estimated using the uh, the resources, the natural resources around there, that the amount of energy that could be extracted is a billion times larger than the fossil fuel resources of the world. And we've been at the fossil fuel, coal, 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 oil and gas for 150 years. So we're talking about really, in our terms, limitless power from this process. So that's, it, it, it's, that's why it seems that it's very difficult to do fusion, but that is fundamentally why it's so, so attractive and why so many countries and so many people are, are researching it. If I could ask you just finally, how realistic is it for this fu nuclear fusion to become commercially uh, viable and if it if, if it is a realistic prospect how long do we have to wait for that do you think yes very good um we we, we did some work with the imeki in the autumn to look at these two issues because very often fusion has been something about the physics about something making the power of the sun here on earth we need to turn it into energy and what time scales so let's deal with those two things time scales and then the money yeah. There is a route map set out uh, by uh, the fusion community of uh, JET and other experiments leading into ITER. ITER will start operating perhaps 2027, 2020. It's a huge enterprise, costs $20 billion, uh, and the, we'll get experiments and data from that. This, again, is an experiment, but it's intended to, instead of making a small amount of power, 
make a large amount of power, have a gain, an energy gain of 10, and to operate for periods of at least five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. And for a pulse tokamak, this will prove that uh, a power station based on this principle could, could work. And then after that, the first demonstration reactors are planned for the early 2040s. It seems a long way off, but mm. this is a very technical and difficult process. But it, there's some reasonable expectations that we'll get by this route a, power, a demonstration power station producing electricity, or I'm assuming electricity, <laughs> uh, by, by about 2040. We've looked at the economics of it, and in the longer term, the economics of it could look uh, very promising, uh, but these early designs probably are plagued by um, the, the materials we have and the type of cycle we have, and the, the, at least as we currently see, and the information about the costs, which are mainly capital costs of devices like this, are very uncertain. It looks like these early devices would be somewhat expensive, but we are following a route to limitless energy and with improving technologies, competitive electricity. Absolutely fascinating. It really is. Um, thank you so much for explaining that and, make, and explaining it so we can understand it. That's Tony Ralston, who's course director and lecturer of nuclear energy at the University of Cambridge, talking about that new world record for energy created through nuclear fusion in Britain, in Oxfordshire. Time for our regular City Update now with Hugo Duncan, who is, of course, business editor at the Daily Mail. So Unilever, um, Hugo, raising prices and why? Yeah, well, that's right, Andrew. I mean, big update um, today from one of the country's biggest companies. Unilever is worth almost £100 billion and it owns everything from Marmite to Dove soap to Hellman's mayonnaise, Ben & Jerry's ice cream, mm. Magnum. You know, we all have um, and enjoy uh, the, some of the products that Unilever make. Now, it is saying today that it is going to face about £3 billion in extra costs in the coming year. This is because, of course, energy bills are rising. Companies also have to buy energy to make what they're doing and so on and so forth. Um, shipping costs are rising, wages are rising, etc. So Unilever, as I say, one of the biggest companies in the country saying that its costs are rising very sharply. And what is it going to do about it? It's going to have to pass those costs mm. on to customers, which means the next time you walk into Tesco's or Sainsbury's or, or the local shop on your street, um, you may well see that Marmite or Ben & Jerry's or Dove or Lynx um, yeah. are a little bit more expensive than they were the last time you went in. Putting even more pressure on the inflation figures. Well, and, exactly. And, and Hugo, what about Rishi Sunak, the chance and interest rates? Well, of course, um, the Bank of England last week raised interest rates for the second time in pretty quick succession. They're now, OK, they're only up to 0.5%, but there are expectations that they will rise further. That pushes up mortgage costs um, uh, and so on. And they are doing this because that is the bank's mechanism for trying to control the cost of living. Um, all of this comes at the same time that Rishi Sunak is pressing ahead mm. with a very, very serious tax rise, which is going to hit many, many people um, in April when national insurance contributions are going to rise both for the employer and the employee at a total of 2.5 percentage points. That is so if, if you're earning 30,000 quid a year, it's going to cost you around 300 quid. Yeah, um, and, it's a lot of money. And, and it's a lot of money. And it comes as inflation, the Bank of England believes inflation at around that time, because of the rising energy bills, is going to top 7%. We haven't seen that since the early 1990s. 
fascinating stuff, and it's going to suspect I make politically. This could be a, make Partygate seem like a, a children's tea party. Well, the, the squeeze on living standards in the coming year is expected to be um, very, very harsh indeed. And actually, while Partygate might be a lot of fun for people to look at or terribly mm. um, anger-making for people to look at. I know people are incredibly angry about what has been going on. Actually, what is going to hit people in the pocket this year and possibly beyond is the fact that the cost of living is rising very sharply and people are going to feel poorer. Absolutely. That's Hugo Duncan, who is, of course, business editor at The Daily Mail. Thanks very much. Well, we all know about it, surging power bills fueling probably the worst cost of living crisis in this country for 30 years. What's the average bill going to rise? £693 a year, and they could go up again in October. Government has announced a raft of measures, including a £200 grant. We have to repay it. Chief Money Mail reporter Amelia Murray has made an energy bill survival guide, and it's essential reading for male readers, including me, and she joins me now. So tell us first of all, Amelia, why they are going up so high. So let me take you back yeah. to the summer. Yeah. Um, we saw wholesale prices spike massively. As a result, we then saw a load of energy suppliers collapse. Mm, including which, mine. And mine. Yeah. <laughs> so it was happening across the board. We had millions of customers then being transferred to other suppliers. Um, Ofgem, the regulator, gave them money to to kind of, you know, help help and, and sort of you know bail these supplies out mm. but then that money was then sort of passed on to customers yeah. so we've got mu- basically consumers having to sort of like re- recoup these costs um we've got suppliers unable to to manage really um with against rising wholesale costs and so the whole thing has basically reached this peak um which is now yeah being passed on to everyone right. else now what sh- what are the most important things we should be doing when we when these hideous bills start landing on our doormat so unfortunately the usual advice doesn't apply so up until the summer the advice was like you know keep on it have a look at the market switch shop to around. better shop yeah. around switch to twice. better deals good for you um and that doesn't apply because mm. basically what we have is the price cap, which yeah. applies to the standard variable tariff, which typically used to be the most expensive deal. The advice there is to stay put. When your fixed deal comes to an end, do nothing. Roll on to that tariff, yes. which is unheard of in all my years of reporting on this. Um, unfortunately, the, the, it's going to be expensive for a year, 18 months. Um which is unfortunate. So what you can do is basically manage the deal that you're on. Yeah. I've heard from lots of people who are coming to me saying, we've just been hit with this like shock bill. It can't be right. There's a lot of mistakes happening. Right. So the best thing you can do is take a monthly meter reading, yeah. um, compare it to your bill, have a look at the unit price, have a look at the standing charge, do ah. some comparison. And to, you know, you need to make sure that your supplier is charging you accurately mm. while you can't do anything about switching. Because they very rarely read your meter these days. I mean, I went um, with one meter, nine years they didn't read my meter. And it meant eventually, when I finally got them to read it, I got a rebate of £1,500. Mm-hmm. So we ha- this is another reason we should be checking our own meters, you're Absol- saying. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you can do. Um, yeah. If you're struggling as well, there is help available. Right. The best thing is to call your supplier because there are potential grants. Right. They can also put you on an affordable repayment plan. Yeah. Um, there are other things that they can do, but they can't help you unless you tell them that you're struggling. And do they have to help you? Yes. Right. So Ofgem is quite strong on this. There are rules that, you know, to help 
customers. Mm. You know, you may be vulnerable. They can't cut you off, basically, right. unless, a comp- you know, an absolute last resort. If you are struggling to pay, they have to give you an affordable repayment plan and, and show you your options. Um, cutting households off is, is very rare. They may decide to move you to a prepayment meter to help yeah. you budget and to help you manage. But they should be working with you to make your bills affordable. The trouble is getting through, isn't it? There has been some difficulty. There's lots of people who are on Twitter talking about how long they've been waiting to talk to suppliers with, mm. you know, lots of people are inquiring about this, yeah. this bill increase. Um, we tried last week and we did have to wait, um, you know, sort of more than 20 minutes for a number of suppliers. But if you hang on, you, you know, you will get through eventually. Do people, what about people um, uh, with smart meters? Uh, is this going to be, is this going to help people in any way or not? I read somewhere that you pay more if you've got a smart meter. Smart meters are supposed to help households just become more aware of their usage. Mm. It's not going to cut your bills by by any more. You oh. are just you can see how much you're using. Oh, I see. So that's it. What they're supposed to do is um, send your usage to your supplier. You know, rather than you taking manual mm. readings. However, I have heard of lots of problems with this where they're not recording accurately. There's glitches in the system where they're not sending this yeah. data to to the suppliers, and lots of people are yeah having having trouble with them. You know, even getting them installed. The um, and if you're unhappy, is the energy ombudsman any good? The energy ombudsman is there. Um, That's a very diplomatic to, answer. Uh, yeah, basically, if you're not getting anywhere with with your supplier if you yeah. do have a complaint you do have the right to take it to the ombudsman which is a free service um i've not heard much from readers about their experience recently um but yeah if you're let me know come to me if there you're, we are if you now want to talk about it and here's the other thing um i was talking to my neighbor who's in her 80s she said i think my meter's wrong i said well you can get them out to check it but i guess if you get them out to check the meter and it isn't wrong it's just these bills are so high now do you then have to pay for the, the call-out? Some suppliers do. For example, OVO, I think, charges around £159 mm-hmm. if there is no problem with the meter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they they if, if she's elderly or she's struggling to read it, there is a kind of responsibility to help vulnerable customers. It's worth, if you're struggling, talking to them about getting on the priority services register, mm. which lets the company know that you are vulnerable right. and you may need um, extra attention or extra, extra help. Now, I'm, I, because I've been switched to British Gas because my company went bust uh, and we've, we haven't, we've only managed one metre reading, they won't let me go on direct debit until they have an accurate metre reading. Should you get a cheaper bill if you're on direct debit or not? Yes. So... An, most of the companies offer a discount for paying direct debit. Right. Um, it varies. I think Scottish Power, uh, they said around £100. It was around 97 oh, I think Ofgem, yeah, Ofgem suggests it's around £130 cheaper right. over the year by paying by direct debit. So when I get this, these meter-bit readings done, I should then say, here's the direct debit. How much are you cutting my bill? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Should they do that automatically? I think it's preferable for an energy firm to have you um, on direct debit because it's like a guaranteed payment that's coming from from your account. Yeah. Um, but you may have to have a conversation with them if it's not happening. And just finally, Amelia, if um, you were with a company and it went under and you may have been in credit on your bill, do you get that money? Yes. Right. However, we're hearing quite a lot about delays. Okay. Um, so it should it should be with you. But of course... Yeah, with with the current situation, there doesn't seem to be any sort of time limit 
with right. this. So it should come to you. And, and would it come through via the new supplier or does the old supplier that's gone under send you send you the money How does it, it should your relationship with your new supplier yeah. should be kind of all-encompassing right. with the credit and and you know with the, the future billing right um but yeah as i said it's it's a bit of a kind of wild west out there at the moment well that's the money back that is why your guide is essential so do read it in money mail today it's by our chief money mail reporter uh, amelia murray uh, and it is really an essential guide and i'm going to cut it out and keep it by my meter put it on the fridge put it on the <laughs> the fridge very good advice chief money mail reporter amelia murray thanks for joining us so we've got time for today for the latest from the daily mail download the mail plus app every weekday at 5 p.m you can listen to me all over again i'm andrew pierce this is the andrew pierce show i'll be back tomorrow have yourselves a great evening and good night mm-hmm.